Hello everyone and welcome fellow piercers and piercing enthusiasts to Real Talk, a piercing podcast from the minds of piercing professionals on the body modification industry and culture. Each episode we will center on a common theme with a guest. We will cover topics including things such as piercing methods, industry topics, jewelry, and trends. I'm your host Will Von Doom, a professional body piercer and proud member of the Association of Professional Piercers. So let's get straight to the point and dive into this week's topic. everyone. In this week's episode, we're going to discuss a trend we're seeing more and more of in this industry. Our last episode created quite a few waves in our community and I received quite a few messages. We're going to use that as a stepping stone for this conversation. When the frustration of being an employee becomes too great or we believe we can do something better than our employers, we say enough is enough and branch off to the next logical choice. We sit down with this week's guest, the wonderful Christina Scholl of Integrity Piercing, Christina is a body piercer and presenter at the annual Association of Professional Piercers Conference. She's also started her own business a few years ago in her hometown of Wenatchee, Washington. Her honest perspective makes us ask ourselves, does going into business for yourself solve your problems? Or does it just create new ones? So without further ado, listen in as we talk about the pros and cons of going into business for yourself, the regrets we have as small business owners, and how Tetris Syndrome affects us all. Christina, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, everyone. I'm Chrissy Schull. I am the owner of Integrity Piercing. I've had my studio for about four and a half years now in Wenatchee, Washington, I opened my own studio after working for other people in the industry for about 12 and a half years and doing a handful of guest spots all over the country. I am an APP instructor for about a decade now and have written a handful of articles for The Point and other industry publications. Right. The reason why that we have you on this week's episode is because we're going to talk about a trend that we are seeing more and more in this industry. And that topic is actually moving from being an employee to being a owner, however you want to put it, the bundled individual of being a small business owner. So this is something that we see a lot nowadays because people are frustrated in the position that they're in or they believe that they can do it better than someone else can. And we usually get blinded by the light in this scenario because we just see the fancy, shiny, like gold we could carry or all the new different things that we can do. And unfortunately, we never really talk about the negatives that come with this. But so the big thing about this is, is that luckily Christy has come on and she can give us the unique perspective because she's been doing this a lot longer than I have, but her situation may be different from mine. So um, we're going to go ahead and just break this up a little bit into a few different parts. But the first thing that we're going to touch down on is basically the beginning of this idea, the beginning of I'm going to open up my own shop. I'm going to finally go ahead and do this. I'm going to branch out. So Christy, when that happened to you, what kind of situation were you in? Was there like anything that was like the defining moment of like, yep, I'm going on my own? I was working in a very high volume, fast paced studio, and I had done that for a while. And I had done a couple guest spots at slower studios that had more of a boutique 
feel to them. And that was the direction I'd already wanted to go. And um, long story short, I was having surgery. Um, I donated a kidney and my mom was really scared for me. And we were talking about what someone would do with a whole new chance at life and what kind of things they would go do now that they were off of dialysis. And we started talking about how sad it was that some of us wait until something major or life-threatening happens before we pursue our dreams. And that was kind of that moment where it clicked. And I was like, what am I doing in a job that I'm no longer happy in? Why am I so far away from my home? And it was literally there right before my surgery that I decided I was going to move back to my home and be close to my family and friends. And I was going to open my own studio. <laughs> That's amazing. Not, like, honest to goodness, it is I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. you're an absolutely amazing human being for donating a kidney uh, above and beyond all else and all other things we're going to talk about. That's just amazing. But um, I really think that it is a unique perspective for a lot of people. You need to have something that happens to you that really makes you put your life into check. And is far and few between in this industry, I think you have a perfect example of it. For me, for example, I worked in the funeral industry for a long time. So it made me really appreciate like the day to day and not trying to be like, this is fine. I'm fine. I'm in the situation I'm in. I'm not going to change it. And I, I think it really take, takes a special person to realize the situation that they're in and want to better themselves for it. With that being said, what were the next steps that you took? What Well, obviously, after recuperating and healing and everything like that, when did the journey start? It actually started while I was recuperating. Um, while I was in Seattle for a week, having to stay near the transplant center, I spent that whole week hanging out with my mom in a hotel room and started working on my business plan. I actually turned in my written notice the first day I was back at work. I didn't even have funding yet, but I just like knew it was going to happen. <laughs> so I gave my three-month notice and started applying for commercial loans. I got really lucky. I was able to get an SBA loan through a small local bank. And I spent the next three months while I was finishing up in Oregon, I spent that time just writing up my business plan and writing up jewelry orders and working on my social media and just getting everything ready to open my studio. That's awesome, especially because the fact that you got a business plan and went to a bank and did all those things, which I think a lot of people are intimidated by when they want to start their own business. Personally, my wife and well, I'm not even going to lump us in the same thing. My wife wrote a killer business plan. I learned how to write a business plan at that point, but we actually worked with a local credit union. And luckily, we got a large majority of our funding through grants from that bank because they were having a small business kind of grant that they were trying to hand out. And we worked with them and showed them that even though the piercing industry is a non-traditional business, it actually has a lot of things that are valuable for the community and also uh, to show that the bank can work with non-traditional businesses. So we went a different way, but I do have to commend you on the fact that you put all your ducks in a row before you started moving forward and jumping head first. You got everything settled and got the business up and going. Were there any things that you wish that you knew in your first little bit of starting up? Or do you think that it was just everything was glamorous and there was nothing at first? I wish that I would have invested into some of the projects that I wanted to start. Um, like, for instance, I had wanted to get Salon Iris. I loved the 
or something like that. I loved the client notes and all the features that came with it. And at the time, I thought it was out of my budget. And now that I look back, I would give anything to go back and start from day one with notes about everything I did, with no call, no show records, with everything in one spot from the get go. (laughs) That's the one big thing I wish I could go back and change. Now, when you opened up your studio, was it just a piercing-only studio, and it was like your own space? Were you working with it? It's been piercing-only and always will be, and I did open up in my own space, so I'm not a part of a hair salon or tattoo shop or anything else. I am my own independent location, and I started off just me, no counter. Yeah, that is that is something uh, we're going to look at a few of the cons in a second. But I think that's one thing that a lot of people take for granted is not having someone to answer the phone or to watch the lobby when you're with a client or something among those lines. It is incredibly valuable, in my opinion, to have well-trained, passionate front-end staff, counter, however you want to. Absolutely. Knowing that I was going to start without any sort of receptionist or counter help, it did require a lot of thought into the logistics of how I was going to run a business with just me. So there was a lot that went into the layout and how things were set up and how I worded things and how I directed traffic in. And I mean, My whole business model was structured around knowing I was going to be the solo person working at my shop for the first year to two years. That's a thing that a lot of people don't think about is they don't think that they're going to be the only person there. They think that they're going to grow immensely rapidly and be like, I'm going to have counter staff and I'm going to have extra people to help me and things of that nature. And I I think people don't realize how long it takes for a business to Absolutely. And I could have started with counter from the beginning if I'd wanted to go a different route with my business, but I knew I wanted to hire in good, qualified, passionate people like you were talking about. And I knew I was not going to pay them just minimum wage. And I knew that I was going to offer benefits to my staff. And based on what I wanted to do for my staff, I just knew I couldn't start with staff at the beginning if I was going to grow my business the way I wanted and provide for employees the way I felt strongly about. Yeah. And I commend you on doing it that way. It's very unfortunate, but we see a lot of businesses just be like, we're going to hire the cool college crews so that we can pay them peanuts and just have them at the front door. And I've spoken numerous times in the past that like this business and like all businesses, you kind of get what you pay for. So when you have like a highly trained front end person, it makes a world of difference. Um, Although they may cost the business a little bit more, they're input and help to the business is worth way more than what those dollars appear to I couldn't equal agree out more. To. Everywhere that I've worked and guested and now my own studio, I've seen a significant difference in sales, customer experiences and just overall workplace attitude between people who are just monkeys doing a minimum wage job versus people who are passionate. They're getting paid well. They're long term employees seen a huge difference and they're absolutely worth every penny yeah absolutely and if you're on a guest spot and you're trying to learn the area or like you need help during the day please for the love of god buy the counter staff like lunch or coffee or something and you'd be surprised how much more willing they are able to or how much more willing they are to help you out and help you learn the ropes of the shop or whatever you're at just a little side note because a lot of people don't realize (laughs) that (laughs) so going off of that owning your own business is rad 
you're the boss. You make the hours. You make all the decisions. You order all the jewelry and things like that. But during that initial startup, there are a lot of things that aren't really talked about because no one wants to admit that they had trouble starting a business. So I want to take a second to, like I said, break this up into like three parts, like a beginning, a middle, and an end, and just talk about some of the issues are things that were annoying to you as a young business owner uh, that a lot of people may not realize. And I'll actually go ahead and kind of start this one off. My biggest thing that I noticed when I started a business is there. there's actually a syndrome. I don't know if you know this about or know this or not. Uh, it's actually called Tetris syndrome. And it applies to this, but in a weird way. So Tetris syndrome was something that they discovered after Tetris came out on Game Boy, where people couldn't sleep because all they were doing was thinking about the game and how it works and how people do stuff. This is a real thing. And uh, the reason why I wanted to mention it is because I lost so much sleep when I first started like opening my business because I could not turn off my brain because I was worried about every little thing, thinking about every little thing that I could change to make more money, to worry about if I wasn't going to pay my bills this week, and, and so on and so forth. So I think my biggest con was the amount of brain power and time and how exhausting it makes, like makes you as an individual when you have your own business. Absolutely. <laughs> I, I still have business Tetris brain four and a half years later. And honestly, I don't see it stopping. Yeah, I don't think you can turn it off. Oh, <laughs> I, no. I think it's well, just the there to stay. And more successful the business gets, in theory, you'd think about it less. But it's the exact opposite, where then you just have more things to think about. Yeah, absolutely. Is there is there any other thing that you think sticks out to you as like one of the bigger cons when it comes to starting up your business, such as like, not thinking about costs for everyday items that we don't think about or, or something among those so lines? One of my good friends and I were talking last night about business stuff. And one of the things we were talking about that we don't think a whole lot of people talk about is owners typically make less than they did as employees, or at least in the beginning they do. <laughs> That's so but true. We were talking about how you know they hadn't paid themselves in a while. They're just living off of their tips right now because they went through a slower winter than expected. And I was talking about how I had to do that two summers ago when the fires in central Washington were so bad. Tourism was affected to the point where our sales were down way more than they usually are. And it was completely, you know, outside of my control. And I did have two months where I didn't pay myself because the, the money had to stay within the studio. And so we were kind of talking about how a lot of people don't necessarily realize that as an owner, you are going to be making quite a bit less in the beginning. Yeah, that is a thing. Personally, on because we operated two different ways here, and I have probably different experiences than you. When I had a really good week when I first started, my brain didn't automatically go like, yes, I get to take my wife to dinner and I get a board game. It, it wasn't like that. It was like, oh man, maybe I can buy that thing to make the studio better. Let's do that instead. A lot of like you take a, at least for me, and it sounds like you as well, you take a smaller pay cut so that you can pump more into the business so that it becomes more successful because that's 
primarily what your brain is just thinking about Definitely. all the time at that point. No matter how good business has been, it's never. I've never thought of treating myself or maybe paying myself a little bit better. If anything, I'm like, yes, I can finally pay myself my salary from a month ago that I never did pay myself. But usually when it's busy, I'm thinking about, I want to get that second statum. Oh, I want to get more gold options. I would really like to upgrade the sink in one of the rooms. So yeah, when when you do good, you're not thinking about trading yourself. You're typically thinking about what can you do to invest back into your business. I just want to touch base on that. Never in my life did I say to myself, I could buy a new sink <laughs> and get excited, except for when I was a business owner. I can buy a new like a new glove holder. Whoa. Like you get pumped and you're like, this is the stupidest thing ever. It is just a piece of plastic, but yet I am jazzed about it. And then you try to like tell people about it. You're like, I got a new glove holder. And they're like, all right, that's cool. Like we have one of those here. I was like, but you didn't <laughs> buy it. You know? So like you get like so pumped about it, but then also so beat up about it because no one understands how excited you are as a business owner for the smaller things, unless you've actually it's owned true. a business before. Those things get so exciting and everyone just looks at you and they're like, oh, okay, cool. You got a new cabinet. Yeah. It's crazy. It drives me nuts. And I, I'm, I guarantee you a majority of our listeners are going to be like, this isn't making any sense. And then there's going to be a slew of new business owners and they're like, I know exactly what that <laughs> is because I did the same thing. So, so after your business has been established for a little while, we talked about like initial kind of things. It's been established for a bit. You're on your feet. You got things going. Let's talk about a few of the things that are awesome about owning your own business after it's kind of got itself going. So is there anything that sticks out to you that you just absolutely were like, this is the best thing that I have as a business owner? For me, it's been how my community perceives piercing and especially my business. Um, Typically, piercing in the community I live in has been something done in tattoo shops, often done by the tattoo artist who just pierces on the side. There have been very few even just piercers in my area. And tattoo and piercing shops around here typically haven't had a great reputation, which is common in a lot of areas. And two years ago, I was nominated as one of the nine business of the year for one of the local awards. Congrats to Thank you. you. But in, just to be in the running with a tea shop, and an insurance company and an insulting or insulting firm, a consulting firm, (laughs) (laughs) a consulting firm. And just to be a piercing studio that was recognized with other quote unquote legitimate businesses was a huge sense of accomplishment. It felt amazing to get to stand up as a piercing studio owner and be recognized by my community as someone who was a contributing member of the community. It was so cool. Yeah, I think that's great. And I, we did, well, Classy Body Art did something very similar where we tried to do a lot of outreach and work with the community and try to like do events and get more well-known and like uh, supported other local businesses and stuff like that. And then when you are in standing as, like I mentioned before, a non-traditional business with those traditional businesses, there's no greater feeling. Like you have brought yourself out of the stigma of being like the biker tattoo shop to now being like an amazing part of a community. And I, I agree with you a hundred percent. Like that is 
such a great feeling and it makes like all that effort that you put in like worth it that yes that has been the most exciting thing for me is just to have grown up here and to know how it was when I was a piercer here back in the day and then to return as a piercer here but be a legitimate business with other traditional businesses and be one of them it's awesome I think to oh yeah <laughs> I I think uh the other thing that if I personally had to pick like one thing above all others it was basically the sense of the level of work that I put into the business I saw as a return so it finally got to the point where I was working an insane amount of hours and the such, and I was seeing my hard work come to fruition and come back and know that because of how hard I was working, I was seeing a noticeable change in business. And I feel like as a business owner, that's one of the few things that you don't see until you are one, but just knowing the fact that if I work my butt off, I will actually see return in business or like my efforts at least put out. Yes. And that's, that is so rewarding as well. I never felt that a lot as an employee, you know, that what I did made that big of a difference, but being an owner, it is amazing to know that what you put in, you get back and you see it, you see it in reports that you didn't get to see as an employee. I think those are really important things that you don't get as an employee and don't get me wrong. There are businesses out there that treat their employees insanely well, um, whether it be through emotional support or financial support. But as an owner, I think that's just one of the things that you see because then you're like, oh, well, I'm taking care of my employees. They're taking care of my business. We all grow together as a family. And I, I think that's pretty rad. The other thing that I'm going to just put out there because it's the most apparent thing is when you own your own business, you get to pick the jewelry that you carry. And for a lot of us, especially people who are working in a shop before that may not be the best or you're in a situation where you can't have the best stuff, now there's nothing holding you back from picking all of that. And I think that is probably the the biggest thing that a lot of newer people see is the fact that if I own my own business, I can pick the jewelry that I want. I can carry only the best and sell only the best. And I think that's a big, big pro, especially when it comes to owning your own business. Oh, it's one of the biggest pros. Unfortunately, though, as you and I both know, it can be equally a con because then you have to have everything. And you keep having to and oh, you yeah. keep having to grow your stock because you're like, well, if I don't have it, I can't sell it. I sold this one thing. I need three more because more people are going to want them. That is the worst. <laughs> <laughs> every every time that you carry one new thing, th- your brain automatically goes to, well, if I had that in this color and I had that in this size, then I bet you I could sell that. And if I sold three of those, it pays for the two that I just bought. And it, you just start snowballing down this hill. Like just, and then the next thing you know, your jewelry order is like twice your budget. And you're like, I can work my butt off and get that out. Yes. Yeah. It's a scary thing. And I, and I think this is a good, good segue to talk about the negatives, uh, which aren't the exciting part, but need to be discussed. And that is for every good thing we've discussed, there also comes a lot of the bads. And, and that is one of them. Never in my life have I gotten upset at a jewelry display than when I was a business owner because I just saw the pieces that weren't selling 
And I was like, why, why can't I sell you? Why are you staring at me? Like, what can I do to get this piece to move? Then you blame yourself because you picked a piece that isn't selling for your market and so on and so forth. And the jewelry itself is a double-edged sword. Have you had problems like that in the past, Absolutely. Um, the first full year I was in business, I actually discovered very unfortunately that the inventory I had and the business entity that I was in my state was an absolutely rough combination for me. And I found out the hard way when I filed my taxes that due to my business entity and my amount of inventory, I paid thousands more in taxes than I would have paid if I was a different business entity. Yeah, that is, I, I hate that Beatles song, Tax Man, but like, it's true. Like it, it bites you in the butt. And a lot of first time owners also don't think about that at all. Because all that is something you need to tell the tax people. Because when you own a business, I don't know if many of our piercer friends listen to this, <laughs> but you have to actually pay taxes because you're spending ludicrous amounts of money on inventory, on rent, on utilities, and all those things matter. So that's another con that like a lot of people can see is if – Let's be real. If you haven't paid taxes in a number of years and then all of a sudden you're reporting that you own a small business and you have $90,000 worth of inventory, the tax man is going to go, well, what have you been doing for the last five years and how did you get Mm $90,000? And that happens way more often than you would think. Uh, It sucks to have that bite you in the butt, but – In future episodes, we're actually going to talk to uh, some business owners that are good at financial planning. Not saying that you aren't, Christy. I am not. I'm flat out will say that. But um, when it comes to when it comes to the taxes and everything like that, that's another thing that goes that isn't on anyone's radar until like right before taxes are due. Oh, I I definitely learned to. Look for an accountant who is proactive rather than one that is reactive. Because originally when I set up my, when I wrote my business plan and my financial projections, I did actually pay to sit down with an attorney and a CPA. My CPA just didn't look at the projected inventory I was going to carry over the years. So I've definitely learned to spend the money on professionals who really take the time to not only look over where I'm at, but also where I'm going. I love how proactive you are. <laughs> I just want to say that. I really do. I really usually I have to sit here and be like Will Von Dad and just be like, Ugh, they didn't do this. And you're like on it. It's so great. I'm loving well, this. That's, I really that's am. part of why it hit me so hard when I found out how much I owed. I was horrified because I was like, no, I I sat down with an attorney and a CPA to determine what business entity I should be. I went over these things with these people. And, you know, unfortunately found out that the CPA had looked at other aspects, but inventory was just one that she'd overlooked. So I definitely have become more proactive and I've taught myself a lot about bookkeeping and accounting and, you know, taxes and so on and so forth, because I've definitely realized that nobody is ever going to care as much about my money as I am. That's the truth. And finding people that you feel comfortable with 
is also very important. A lot of people think that you're like, oh, I can just Google attorney and find one and be like, this is my man. But like, no, 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 no. Like, you should feel comfortable with whomever you work with, whether it be jewelry companies, our employees, our technicians, or anything. That's that's a valuable life trait. Like, you should never work with anyone that you don't feel comfortable Definitely. with. So let's talk about, and I, there's a lot of sighing on this end for me, I apologize. <laughs> let's talk about the thing that no one ever talks about, and that is the sheer volume of hours that you are going to work and how much of your life you give up <laughs> when you open up your own studio. And I know we laugh about it because, well, my situation right now is different because I went employee, owner, back to employee, and you're just an owner right now. So it's a little different. So why don't you go ahead and let our listeners know what that actually entails? Well, I guess this is a great time to talk about the sacrifices that um, business owners will make. So when I started off my business, I was working six days a week. Then after a while, I was I built the business enough. I was able to scroll back to five days, and then the sixth was by appointment. And it was so exciting to finally get to have those two days off. Those were usually days for deep cleaning and writing orders and doing stuff uninterrupted. But I at least had two days I could take off. And it was very exciting. I took that for granted as an employee. So last year, I hired another piercer. It was a big move for me. I bumped our, our days up to seven days a week. I had, you know, spent money and time to promote, you know, we're seven days a week now. We did radio ads. We did a bunch of awesome stuff. That ended up not working out. And I had already built those hours. I had already trained customers that were finally open seven days a week. So I am now working seven days a week. I take maybe a day or two off a month. It's not going to be able to stay that way, of course. And that was a hard decision to make. As much as I really wanted to go back to only working five days a week and being close to, customers really don't like inconsistencies. And it really doesn't reflect well on your business to be inconsistent. And I opted against going back to five days a week and then building back to seven later. So yeah, right now I'm working a lot because that's what my business needs. And there's nobody else that falls on to... Except Absolutely. for the owner. You're the last line. Like you're the one that carry you're the Atlas. Like the the shop is your world and then you're the one that carries it. And that is a thing that a lot of people may have a problem may have a problem doing because you have to sacrifice. It's not I'm a business owner, I don't have to work Fridays and Saturdays anymore. It's I'm a business owner, this guy can't come to work, I guess I'm going to work. And a lot of people don't think about that, but you really are giving up everything for your business. Your business is a child. Like that's the best way that I can put it is if your kid is sick, you don't get to go to work. You have to stay home to take care of your kid. And it's the same way as if you're a business owner. Like if your business can't function at its peak level, you have to pick up the slack and make it work. A lot of people aren't very selfless to put themselves first. And let's be real, like a lot of employees, there's very few out there that will actually treat your business as their own and will step up like that. I'm glad that you mentioned the topic because I I don't hear a lot of people talk about it. And it is absolutely true that, you know, like when it's the busy season, 
if you're busy with clients all day, orders still need to be written. <laughs> yeah, just because that that open sign goes to closed doesn't mean the business is closed. It, it means you're still working. And that, that brings us to another thing is the sheer amount of stress that you carry on your shoulders. Back to that whole Atlas analogy, you know, you are constantly worrying. And, and here's a perfect example. Our industry is currently going through jewelry geddon. I don't know the word for it, but like everyone is frothing at the mouth for jewelry uh, because turnaround times are longer than expected and some are prepared and some aren't and so on and so forth. But it will keep you up at night because you're thinking, do I have enough threadless ends in 930 seconds to last me until Saturday, which is my next order? And then you think to yourself, well, what if it gets delayed? And then it doesn't come until Monday, but Monday's a holiday, so it wouldn't come until Tuesday. Can I last until Tuesday? And then your mind just starts running, like it running through every scenario that could happen, every bad thing that could occur. And, and this is your time to recharge. This is your time to sleep and make sure that you're able to face the next day. But in your, like, for example, in your situation, uh, Christy, you don't even get a day off to recharge. So you have to get up in the morning with all of that baggage and go to work and do the exact same thing over and over again with no end in sight. And that is heavy. And a lot of people don't realize that. It, it definitely has been. There are moments where I talk to friends who are employees and we talk about, you know, how they're off work and... They're thinking about their weekend and they're thinking about their trip. And I definitely took that for granted as an employee. I absolutely took for granted that when I clocked out at 8 or 9 or 10 that I wasn't, I mean, sure, sometimes I would wonder if we were going to get our neo-metal in time or if we were going to get that special order in, but not nearly the same as I do as the owner. Right, because that one client could have the jewelry not come in, and it's not your fault, but it is your fault because it's not there, and that's what the client perceives and so on and so forth. And it's it's just crazy, like the amount that you worry and the things that you worry about. And it's just one of those things that I'm – and I'm really glad that you came on to talk about it is I just wanted to – Put these things out in the open because a lot of people really just talk about the awesome things that happen. And I'm not trying to just be like super negative or, or just talk about bad stuff. And I don't think you are either. But I think it's important for us to sit down and get everything on the table because opening up your own business is super rewarding. Like there's very few things in this world that like are as rewarding than owning your own business and being like, I built that. This is my little empire. I did all these things. But on the same note, they're going to cost you. Like you're going to be tired. You're going to be exhausted. You're going to worry about everything. And I think that a lot of people just need to hear these things to think about it before they're like, I'm going on my own. Definitely. You know what I mean? I think that with any decision made, it's always nice to weigh the pros and cons. And I do think in our industry, a lot of the cons aren't talked about. And I think part of it, you know, it's, it's the same as piercing. We all want to talk about the awesome ear project we did or this cool custom bent thing or this awesome gold sale, but no one really wants to think about or, or talk about having forceps slip or missing a dot or underestimating depth on something. 
we all do it from time to time, but none of us want to talk about the things that we did that didn't go so well. We only want to talk about things that went great. But sometimes we learn the most when we talk about the piercings that didn't go so well and why. And I think it's kind of the same with business is if we talk about both aspects of it, it helps us to not only know more about it, but be more prepared for those who might want to take the leap. Totally agree with that. I, because our industry is very, I'm going to just say very tightly knit. I really believe that social media has been amazing for us, but also very detrimental to us because everyone sees what you do. Everyone is judging the photos that you put out there. Everybody is looking at everything. And it's not like you're a plumber and you post a picture of like some sweet pipes that you like welded together. It's not like that. It's very unique and it's very unusual. But I'm the first to admit, like if I do something wrong, I am a human individual. I'm not a robot. I wish I was. But like if there's issues or I miss something up, I'll be like, whoo, did not like how that happened. Or, oh, I wish this happened. Or like I had difficulty doing this. Like there is nothing wrong ever with being able to say to yourself, I could do that better. Or I have a question. I think, like, why did this happen? Could you give me advice? No one's ever honestly going to be like, look at this guy. He's just asking a question. What an idiot. Like, that's not a thing. And and I really hope that as an industry we can get over that. And I'm very – obviously I'm very vocal about calling that out because I – I feel like there's a lot of closed door talk and we just need to kick that thing open and just really get some of these topics out in the open. I couldn't agree more. Last but not least, I just want to touch on one thing. Christy, for those people who are out there who are thinking about starting their own business, is there any suggestions that you would have for business planning or getting all their ducks in a row or anything like that? Because it seems like you kind of had all your stuff together and I feel like you'd be a good source of information. I cannot stress enough the importance of business planning. I wrote a business plan because I had to for a commercial loan, but I also wrote it for me because it was so valuable to actually do a market analysis in the area that I was going to open in and realistically look at if the numbers that I needed were attainable and actually write financial projections. Um, And of course, I hadn't done that before. I was able to find all the resources through the SBA website, which is extremely helpful, um, Small Business Association website, for those who don't know. There are so many good resources for writing a business plan, analyzing the market, financial projections, um, so much free information that is wonderful. And that was one of the keys to the success of my business was actually planning every aspect of my business instead of just winging it. The SBA is such a good resource and you can email and call and ask them questions and things like that, especially with like a lot of places have smaller chapters in their areas. You'd be surprised the amount of information you can get from them. And they're not going to think you're dumb for asking questions. Like I said before, but the, the biggest thing personally, and here comes like my Will Von dad kind of hat is I hate to say it cause my dad used to say it, but you know, fail to prepare, prepare to fail. Like you, this is real world adult stuff and you need to make sure that you've thought of all the different things that could happen and have a plan for all of it. Definitely. When it comes to as much money as we're spending, when you're looking at commercial leases or getting into business with someone else. I mean, it, 
it blows my mind how many people cut corners and how many people just wing it. It's crazy. I couldn't I couldn't do that. Like I would probably have like a panic attack if I was trying to like cut corners because you're you're honestly cheating yourself because you're the business owner. It's not like you are getting away with something where you're an employee like that's your business. And in like two months when you, you know, didn't use uh, like didn't have someone come fix the plumbing correctly and you are closed for the day. That's thousands of dollars. It could have cost you just for example. There's a lot of things that you really need to take in consideration when you're taking on a monumental life task. Cause that's what this is of starting your own business. Yeah. There's so much that goes into it. Um, we were just talking a little bit ago and it just hit me that we we're talking about jewelry and how our jewelry wait times right now are crazy. And we worry about having enough in stock But the flip side to that is I love having a large inventory until it comes to the end of the year. And the end of this year was tough because I really had to debate how much over, you know, how much back stock do I really want to have when I'm about ready to have to do my year end inventory and my taxes. (laughs) I'm not looking forward to that. Like that's uh, like and and that's the thing, too. Who is going to do inventory? A lot of employees aren't going to do it and very few do. But. I mean, counting every single bead, every single end, every single post, how many needles you have, how much of this, how much of that sucks. There, Like if there was one job where I could just pay someone to do it and do it correctly, it would probably be that job that I would pay someone for. Like it's I just awful to me. I love that you also added do it correctly because I would definitely pay someone to do my inventory. However, the amount of people who I actually trust to do it correctly. And that's a huge thing. Like a lot of people don't realize that is like, uh, like as a business owner, you want things done a special way because that's how you do them. And that's the level you want them to. It's really hard to let loose of the reins like a little bit to have somebody do that. And, and yeah, like it takes trust. And I've worked for a few locations that I wouldn't want to do it because the owner would yell at me, but I've worked at other locations where I'll happily do it because I know the owner trusts me. And that's like a big thing, but that's, that's a whole nother thing in in itself. But yeah, it's, it's just one of those owner things like correctly and done to a level of satisfaction that you were comfortable with well, is then huge. trying to make good use of your time when it comes to things like that. Like I've been writing my orders off of, you know, hand and like visual counts. I've wanted to start writing orders off of what says that I have an inventory, but to do that, I've wanted to start doing that when I've just recently adjusted my inventory. So that whole project was waiting until I was done with my year end inventory and updated my numbers so like I've tried, I try to be smart about my projects and kind of piggyback things together like that. I'm going to start doing this, but I need to wait until this thing is done because then it's going to make this more accurate. The never ending to-do list for business owners. Yeah. Just going back to things. I'm not having a like, <laughs> woe is me owning a business is so awful kind of pity party here. I'm just saying there's, there's a lot of things that you don't think about as an employee when you own a business and and I'm not saying go lighter on your boss, but like on the same note, like understand there's a lot of things that they're not going to talk about that just need to get done. So, yeah. Um, but uh, on that note, what what would you say, Christy, is the thing that you love the most about being a business owner? 
and the thing that you like the least? Heavy question. So the thing that I love the most is giving customers exactly the experience and the level of service and the selection and just the overall customers get exactly what I want them to have. And that's been so exciting that I could decide how much time I want to spend with them, what jewelry options I want to give them, putting notes in my computer. So in the future, when they come in, I've got record of past experiences with them. I love getting to plan my entire client experience, and it feels so good to go home and know that I've given customers every level of everything I would want them to have. That's been awesome. It's my absolute favorite part. Um, And that might actually, well, now I've got two favorites. I only have one employee now, so it's small. I'm growing the business really, really, really slowly, Um, and that was the plan all along. But I also love getting to do everything for employees that I wanted to. I like being able to pay them what I think they're worth and be able to give them bonuses for things and be able to give them the kind of insurance that I think they deserve and to give vacation time and just started doing sick pay, which is awesome. And <laughs> Yeah, that is awesome. <laughs> it, so it was um, actually sick pay was man- mandated by Washington that it had to start in January. It could have been rolled into previous paid time off, but I really didn't feel that it was fair to my employee to be like, okay, well, this is just going to get lumped in with your regular paid time off. So now you can use your paid time off for these two things. So after a lot of debating, I actually decided to keep them totally separate. I felt it was kind of a step back to roll them together. So she still has her paid time off. But then she also has the sick time as well, and they're two separate things. And that feels good. I mean, it's scary when I start adding up all of the numbers. And one thing I think a lot of employees don't realize is they only see their hourly or their commission. They don't also see unemployment, Social Security, um, L&I, the benefits. Um, But it's been really exciting getting to look at how do I want my employee to be paid? How do, do I want their quality of life to be? And to be able to actually do that, it's so rewarding. That sounds great. And I, and in our last episode, we talked from like an employer perspective of being paid what you're worth and things of that nature. And honest to goodness, I'm like, whoa, I was like, Christy, are you hiring? Like, that sounds really good. You have a really good setup. And I really hope that your employees see that because not many places offer insurance and PTO and sick time. Like, that's wild. Good on like, like I tip my hat to you. That's amazing to give your employees, and I'm not trying to to butter you up. I'm I'm being serious. You know, in our industry, those are things that are very common in every other business on the planet, except for ours. And that's great. That is definitely a step in the right. It direction. feels good. I'm definitely really excited about it. Um, I will say that one of the cons of that, though is that's also part of why the business has to grow really slow. And that's also part of why we are such a small staff now is because with those, with all the benefits does come a high cost. And if I, you know, if there, if I didn't have the benefits that I do, and if I was paying less, I would be able to have more staff, but I've chose, you know, quality over quantity. I would say in both of your things, the, the first one with being able to see, 
how happy your clients are and know that you're the one that built those things. And at the end of the day, know that you impacted somebody's life would definitely be my pro. And I think it's the the same con, actually. Um, it sounds like we did things very similarly. And that is, is that you, of course, want to grow faster and have all these rad things and a huge building and everything like that. But sometimes you have to grow slow and that stinks as a business owner because you want to be successful and it just comes at a smaller rate than what you imagined. So it's always feels, at least in my book, it was always semi-defeating because you're like, I'm growing, but I wish I was growing faster. So it's almost like that it's good, but not good enough. And it just makes you work harder, which you know, snowballs into all the other topics <laughs> that we discussed. It's true. So you know, I knew I was going to grow slow and I knew why, and it was very, very structured and planned. And I've followed, you know, I've looked at my financial projections over the years and how they compare and I'm on track for exactly what I thought I would be. But it is defeating sometimes to look at other studios from the outside and be like, oh, wow, this studio just opened and already they have all these staff members or they're opening a second location or they're doing this or that. And, you know, sometimes when you start, you know, looking at the Joneses, it's really easy to think like, wow, I'm not growing enough or, you know, maybe I must be doing something wrong. And sometimes I have to remind myself that. A, I had a plan in place for a reason, and B, I have no idea what their studio standards are like or what their pay is like or all these other things, and I need to quit looking at just the outside appearance of growth, and that's been hard for me sometimes. I don't mean to be praising you constantly, but seriously, good on you. Like, it it always, like old man, like grass is always greener on the other side until you're over there, like blah, 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 blah. But but yeah, that's, it's really hard to, to stop comparing yourself to others and kind of focus on your own bubble. And, you know, that's a thing that stinks because you think that you're doing really well and then you open up old Facebook and so-and-so at something studio just opened up a second location. You're like, <laughs> shit, that sucks. Like I thought I was doing great. You know, it's, it's semi-defeating, but you know, at the same time, like you are able to make a living, you make people happy every day. You have people that work for you that are happy. And I think at the end of the day, that's the, the biggest thing is just doing something that you're proud about and can go home and, and say, I did a good job today. And I, th I think that's something people need to think about when they go into business too, is why are they going into business? I think a lot of us that are happy and are successful, we didn't go into business to make a lot of money and we didn't go into business to build a big empire. We went into business because we wanted to have an awesome studio. We wanted to go to work and be happy. We wanted customers to be happy. We wanted to have awesome employees, you know? <laughs> I think, yeah, uh, honest to goodness, that that's really it. I think there's a, there's a big difference between the folks that want to have a studio that is high-end because they want to make more money versus I want to open a studio because I want to do it right. I, I mm -hmm. mean, and of course, there's some overlap. There always is. But um, you see it a lot. I do think so. But yeah, thank you so much, Christy, for all of your input on this. I think this has been one for me, one of my 
more fun episodes because <laughs> we're on the same page yeah. on a lot of stuff, which is pretty rad. Um, so why don't you go ahead and tell our listeners one more time where you are so they can visit you, where they can find you on social media. And then last but not least, if there's anything you want to tell us about. Okay. Um, once again, Chrissy Scholl, owner of Integrity Piercing in Wenatchee, Washington. I can be found through social media, um, Piercer Chrissy on Facebook. You can add me there. Um, Piercer Chrissy on Instagram, actually, as well. Please hit me up at conference or camp. I will be at both this year. Um, are you teaching a class this year? This year, I'm not. Um, it's kind of weird to not be teaching oh, wow. this year, but it's kind of exciting because every year I've had such a large class load that I haven't been able to take a lot of classes. So this year, I'm actually That's focusing kind of cool. on just running the No Excuses Scholarship and taking classes, and it's going to be really awesome. Is the No Excuses Scholarship still open? Yes. Why don't you go ahead and... If, if you're cool with it, why don't you take a second just to talk about that a little bit? Because um, a lot of our listeners are actually in situations where they could greatly benefit from that. Okay. So the No Excuses Scholarship is a private scholarship that's funded by individual piercers in the community who just want to give back and help out. It is open to anyone who is in financial need of attending conference and benefiting from the classes. Um, unlike some of the other scholarships, it is open to people who are in slightly different situations than some of the scholarships may accommodate, which is part of why we have it and why we have the name. Um, so it is open to people 18 to 21, which the LD scholarship is 21 and up. Um, it's open to people who might be in between studios, which a lot of the scholarships do require someone to be in a studio at the time. And it's also open to people who may not be a piercer yet, but they're an, an apprentice and they're working towards it. So it's open to a wide variety of people who can benefit from the education at conference. Um, I can be contacted through social media, through email. Someone can call me at the studio about it, or they can also email private APP scholarship at Gmail and can get a application packet and just kind of information about what the scholarship entails and how to apply for it. Red. And when is the due date for that? April 1st. Okay. Red. So our listeners have a month or so to kind of jump on that. Um, I will just say that even though I am in a member of the APP here, uh, before I was, I went to conference and I saved up every dime that I had so that I could go. And it is an absolute career changer whether it be through the people you meet or the classes that you take. And I would really put your butt into gear and, and try to go ahead and go for this scholarship if you're in a situation where you could benefit from it. Uh, I will include all of uh, Chrissy's contacts uh, as well as the uh, contact for the No Excuses Scholarship. And then also, I just want to make sure that people realize this. If you're having a hard time and you don't know exactly what you're writing or feel that you need help with that, um, you can always reach out to other piercers and especially people that we've had on the show in the past, including myself, to try to kind of steer you the right way so that you get all of your ideas and all your information together in a sensical way. Because unfortunately, a lot of people get discouraged because they may not be the best writer. And we want you to go to conference. So if you're in that situation, feel free to reach out. But yes, thank you so much for telling us about that. And um, yeah, thanks for being such a wonderful guest. And 
hopefully I will see you in the near future. Well, thank you, Will. I've had so much fun. Um, Anyone who wants to contact me, I love talking business and piercing. And if I get to talk about both at the same time, I'm really excited. So please reach out to me. Absolutely. Thank you so much again. (laughs) Thank you, Will. Well, folks, another heavily requested topic is in the books. I love fulfilling listener requests. I want to thank Chrissy for the amazing conversation. You can find links on where to find her studio, what her social media handles are, and also information for the No Excuses Scholarship in this week's show notes. I also want to say thanks to our listeners for going through that episode. On my end of the audio, you can actually hear one of my little puppers, Lethe, snoring quite a bit. She just can't help laying at my feet when I record her. In other news, I want to thank all you wonderful folks for the reviews on iTunes and the Google Play Store, as well as listening in every two weeks. I can't express how amazing that makes me feel since we started this journey together. I also wanted to thank all of my Patreon subscribers for your support week after week. If you want to donate to our Patreon, you can find more information on our website. I would like to thank our ongoing sponsors of the podcast. Other Couture Jewelry's owner, Mike Knight, has just released a catalog of all of his amazing pieces. So what would a normal company do after they do this? Sit back, relax, and let the orders roll in? Maybe for others, but not for Mike. He's already working on the next catalog of pieces in between fulfilling all of those orders currently being placed. If you're in a professional studio and would like to get a copy of this catalog, please visit our sponsors page for a link on how to contact other couture jewelry. Sponsor Goldheart Woodworks continues to put out beautiful displays and continues working on those one-of-a-kind pieces for conference. Their site, bodyjewelrydisplays.com, allows you to peruse the entire Goldheart Woodworks catalog. But in addition to this work, they care about our industry in more ways than just making your studio gorgeous. Recently, Goldheart Woodworks picked a lucky, hardworking, determined individual. Each year, Goldheart Woodworks strives to be a driving force in our community to show their love and appreciation for all the support that they receive from the industry they've decided to sponsor one lucky soul by covering the cost for them to go to conference this simple act will change people's lives congratulations to sindesi piercer of new mexico and thank you goldheart woodworks for all the things that you do for our industry our final sponsor for this week's episode is from our california family Adam and Shelby Richens have been making my social media a treat lately by filling it with gorgeous photos of incredibly happy clients from their studio, Amory Body Arts. This is the only studio I trust in Santa Cruz to send clients and listeners to. For all your piercing and jewelry needs, make sure to visit our friends at Amory. You can find more information about these companies under the Sponsors tab on our website, realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. To ask questions, suggest topics, or get more info about your host or today's guest, please visit us at realtalkpiercingpodcast.com. If you have a moment and enjoy the show, you can subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcast platform. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest are their own and do not represent the official position of the Association of Professional Piercers or their places of employment. Music by Broke for Free.